five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is a special edition of the Space Q podcast. In this podcast from the Cassie Astro 18 conference in Quebec City, you'll hear from Canadian Space Agency President Sylvain Laporte. Monsieur Laporte surprised the audience by opening his talk by saying he wanted to address the elephant in the room. That elephant was yet another budget snub by the government. Laporte's message, in part, was that the Canadian Space Agency has moved on and has work to do. Read our story on his talk at the spaceq.ca website. For more podcasts and stories from Cassie Astro 18, go to spaceq.ca slash tag slash astro dash 2018. So thanks for uh, for taking the time the time to come and uh, and listen to uh, to my keynote uh, this morning. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting keynote because I'm going to start with a with a bang and actually address the elephant in the room. So um, last night or yet last night yesterday, uh, a few of you uh, were very polite in uh, making a few indirect digs with respect to the fact that. You know, space did not get any any funding in this uh, last year's budget. Um, so I want to address that face on because um, at the CSA and, and, and within the government, um, we've addressed that and uh, and we're moving on. And I want to make sure that I convey uh, the same message to you that I've conveyed to uh, to my troops, to my uh, to my organization as we uh, as we go forward. So. Um, for the students in the room and for those of you that uh, may not follow the, the space file as closely as, uh, as others in the room, um, last year was a, uh, was a rather banner year um, with respect to space because we, uh, we held uh, a number of consultations, uh, both the CSA did and the, uh, the Space Advisory Board, which is an advisory board to the minister, the minister that I report to. Um, and uh, we did quite a number of, uh, of consultations, had a number of discussions with respect to what should the Canadian sp uh, space program look like. Um, so, you know, following on those, there are a number of recommendations that the government needs to, uh, needs to consider. Um, and, uh, you know, we had uh, um, hopes that maybe in the budget we would see uh, some uh, uh, injection of new money um, for the uh, for the space program, um, but that was not the case. So uh, just to let you know that uh, uh, those of you that are experimented, experienced with uh, with the uh, federal budget process, many of you have worked in government. Some of you are military. Um, it's a common practice to to submit uh, stuff for consideration by the government, but it's also very common. Uh, not to uh, not to receive any kind of uh, of funding, so in fact, it's more common not to receive anything than to than to get something. So, um, you know, we kind of uh, were uh, uh, disappointed with the with the result, but you shake it off and you and you move on. Um, it's it's common happenstance to to not get something in the budget. Of course, they can't uh, they can't satisfy all of the demands. Um, and basically, you acknowledge that, and you go, okay, that was not our time. So let's roll up our sleeves and uh, and let's get to work. 
Um, so that's the state of mind, at least in, uh, in a space agency. So we have shaken it off and we're moving on. Um, you know, uh, when I do look at what was funded in, the, in budget 2018, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that I'm, I'm actually very, very happy that there was a massive injection of, uh, of new funds in fundamental science. So fundamental science is, the, is one of the keystones of, uh, of the space program and seeing a very, very large investment of the government into um, uh, our, our, our research capacity in Canada and making it grow is actually very, very good news for us. So quite happy uh, that fundamental science got funding. It was, it was time and it's going to be very useful for what we do in the, uh, in the future. So, you know, budget 2018, although space itself did not get any, uh, any funding, um, other than some funding for, for SATCOM and uh, um, uh, within the, uh, the ICED portfolio, um, you know, the, the whole fundamental science aspect of it is, uh, is quite comforting. Um, and I'd also be remiss if I didn't also say that uh, the two budgets before then, we did get a substantial amount of money. So um, hopefully you are aware, if not, uh, let me inform you, that budget 2016 and budget 2017 were actually very, very good to us. And we accumulated um, somewhere close to $500 million um, in the space program. And that's a very, very large sum of money. So that got us the ISS extension to 2024. Um, if you're in the SATCOM business, it's also got us a new injection of funds in the Artes program at, uh, at ESA. It got us the development of uh, the KeySat uh, satellite that uh, we alluded to uh, yesterday that talks about quantum key encoding and, uh, and quantum computing. Um, and it got us uh, what, uh, what NASA calls NEMO, uh, which is a Mars orbiter uh, mission as well. Um, so we're quite happy with, uh, with uh, the support that we've been, uh, we've been getting so far um, with respect to, uh, to space. And we're looking at moving on and looking for future opportunities um, to, to secure uh, more funding as we move forward. So, yes, disappointed, but, you know, we're not uh, in, in a position here where we're going to be um, absolutely uh, uh, impacted to a point where we can't do and continue uh, doing our business. So uh, shake it off and, and, and move on. So that should be, uh, um, since it is the, the way that we are looking at it, I hope I can count on your support in terms of uh, helping us move the, uh, the yardsticks along, around for you know, future budget requests or, or future opportunities to do uh, something good with the, uh, with the space program. So, um, you know, learning from, from this year, um, we have to look at how we position stuff going forward. Um, fortunately, uh, the space file is actually very well received in the, uh, in the Ottawa circles. Um, we were not in a situation where we were actually um, uh, pushing rope or anything of that nature. People understand space now. And that is very, very good progress uh, for, the, for the space file. Um, and we were uh, um, uh, well received and, uh, and uh, our uh, uh, comments were actually very well uh, understood by people in uh, decision makers in, uh, in Ottawa going forward. Um, so, you know, that being the case, we always were able to count on the, on the support of, uh, of two champions, namely uh, my minister, Minister Baines 
who heads up the ICED portfolio, and Minister Duncan, who heads up the science portfolio. So we have in, in those two individuals some very, very strong champions of the space file, and we're counting on their support going forward and their counsel going forward in terms of our, of our next steps. Um, the SAB, the Space Advisory Board, is also looking at uh, a series of, uh, of new activities um, to help with the space program and to um, put themselves in a position where they can provide you know, extremely good counsel to the minister in terms of how we can take our file forward. Um, the other thing we need to acknowledge is that you know, Budget 2018 kind of changed the landscape, and I think this is actually to our advantage. Um, so there's a massive injection in, in fundamental science. Um, and Canada, if you're not aware, is well known for doing extremely well with respect to research and development in an academic setting. Right? We, we, we are top three, I believe, you know, maybe top five um, of the OECD countries in terms of our performance in that kind of, uh, of a research uh, environment. Where we're not necessarily good is taking that research and then innovating and commercializing. You know, then we kind of fall to the bottom of the pack with respect to uh, uh, relative rankings with our, our colleague countries in the, in the OECD. So really, really good at that kind of academic research. Not so good at taking it to, to an innovation uh, uh, taking it to an operationalization and then benefiting economically from that, right? So benefiting economically from that would go into, well, the commercialization area. So it's about increasing revenue and it's about exports, right? So um, with the big injection in, in fundamental science, you know, the way I'm, I'm seeing things is that, you know, we, we need to make sure that we can take that and, and innovate with it and, and get the economic growth for it. So that takes me to space. So um, we've completed a, a survey, the, the 2016 uh, you know, space uh, program survey, um, which I believe we're going to issue very, very shortly. And, and Mary alluded to that yesterday during the DG panel. And I have a few key points I want to bring to your attention with respect to that survey, which kind of going to strengthen the point I'm, I'm about to make here. So in the 2016 survey, we've seen an increase in total revenues for the space program. So we're up to $5.5 billion of revenue in Canada. So that's, that's quite substantial. What's also interesting is that from an R&D perspective, this industry, the, the space program, is very, very strong in, uh, in R&D. In fact, um, you have spent $254 million in R&D. So this is industrial-funded research and development as opposed to government-funded research and development. So at $254 million, it's nine times the average manufacturing rate. Right? So it speaks of a very, very high intensity of R&D in our program, in our industry. And that sticks us out from the rest of the pack. Right? We are up there in terms of very R&D intensive industries. And from a commercialization perspective, um, we've doubled the commercialization revenues to increase now to $123 million in 2016. So that's incredible. We've doubled the commercialization revenue dollars. So that kind of points to the fact that we can take science, 
we can innovate with it, and by commercializing it, we can get the economic gain, right? So from an export perspective, we saw the largest single annual increase of the last five years. So exports from an economic perspective are really, really good, right? So that's what the government is striving for. So let's look at building up our industry, getting increase in revenues, and getting them to, uh, to export where they can. So space tends to have the right profile to be able to benefit from this massive injection of money that was put in fundamental science, right? Because the missing elements and, and looking at, change, at helping to change Canada's um, track record with respect to innovation and, and commercialization. So start with a very large injection in fundamental science, and then let's look at how we can improve innovation and get the economic gain from that. So I think space is absolutely well positioned to be contributing very much to that equation. In fact, I'd, I'd venture to say that you know, space is Canada's innovation engine. I think space can actually contribute greatly to the equation of trying to drive science and turn it into economic gain. So space is one of the innovation contributors in Canada, but certainly I think we can, looking at our numbers, we can position space to be one of the key drivers of, of innovation and leveraging what we get from the, the fundamental science investments. Um, but we also need to acknowledge that uh, the government has also invested heavily in innovation in the past. So just last year and two years ago, just to name a few, um, we announced the Innovation and Skills Plan that gave us the, uh, the CIF. It gave us the Innovation Solutions Canada, to name a few. Um, other than that, we've invested into the Supercluster program. That's looking at quite a bit of, of investment in, uh, in, new, in new technologies as well. So, you know, if we're looking at positioning space as being an innovation engine, we also need to acknowledge the fact that, um, other than the fact that there was a lot of, uh, of uh, investment in innovation, what, what makes uh, uh, space uh, uh, stick out from the rest of the pack with respect to with respect to innovation. So I'm back to our track record of being very heavily dependent on R&D. We need to continue with that trend and having both uh, a lot of uh, new investments in research and development, both from a, a university perspective and from an industrial perspective. And then continuing to do what we do and maybe in a, in a dialed up fashion with respect to taking that science and innovating with it to get the economic gain. Um, so if we're going to be continue that, that way and, and, and make um, you know, space stand out in this innovation forum, it would be very, very useful for us to learn from you in terms of how you, in your own capacity, whether you're working in a university um, doing research or whether you're working in industry and, and doing uh, some of the, uh, the more mission-focused work um, that I'll label uh, innovation, um, we'd like to hear from you, right? Many of you, after the, 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 the budget, have asked me, okay, so, you know, we got nothing, so what do we, what do, we do now and how can we help? Um, one of the great ways that you can help um, is if you 
uh, engage with us in a, in a continuous dialogue with respect to how you see your contribution to that equation of transforming fundamental science into innovation and getting an economic gain from it. So those of you in industry are quite familiar with that play. This is not a new, a new model. Um, but what would be very useful for us is to understand how you play in that picture and how you have contributed with real-life examples. So I encourage you to engage us in that dialogue. We need to understand those key elements with real-life examples so that we can strengthen the case that space requires that special consideration as an innovation engine. Right? I think the pieces kind of fit together and from a jigsaw puzzle perspective, but what we need now are the, the four real examples. So Mary uh, Preville, my, my DG of policy, uh, uh, could not be here today. She had to return to, uh, to Ottawa for some pressing business. Um, and she, he, she's aware that I'm going to do this, but not to the extent that I'm, I am about to do this. Um, so I'd like you to use Mary as a, as a contact point um, with respect to that. And her email address is mary.preville, two L's, at canada.ca. She's going to be so surprised when she starts seeing your emails. <laughs> Um, but it's going to be very important for us to understand how you contribute to this innovation engine so that we can build a case and strengthen the space program's case for, for doing just that. So um, let's engage in that discussion. And by the way, if you, if you um, uh, do take me up on my, my offer um, and look at helping us, I'm interested in what you have been doing so far, but also just as interested about... Um, how you see things evolving. Are you going to be doing more of that kind of stuff? Are you, is your company looking at investing more into R&D or doing more innovation? Are you looking at more spin-outs or spin-ins um, with respect, respect to some of the space technology that you, have, uh, that you have developed? So hopefully I'm starting to, to paint a picture of, of what I'm looking for, and I'm appealing to you um, to uh, engage into that dialogue because I think it will enrich the conversation that we now need to have with, uh, with government. So if you're wondering how you can help, that is a clear way of how you can, you can help us go forward. Um, so, you know, that being said, um, you, you've heard uh, through the DG panel, if you were, if you were there yesterday, that... Um, we still have money, we still are operating, we still have missions, and we're still going in, uh, in a frenzied way uh, through the, uh, the uh, uh, approval and the issue of uh, quite a number of, of contracts and, and AOs and, and everything else. So life goes on, right? And in fact, we've kind of dialed up uh, that, uh, that those elements that have the biggest buck, the biggest bang for the buck with respect to um, working with industry and working with uh, with academia, so you know we spoke yesterday very quickly of of some of the programs that we're still running, and I can assure you that uh, we're working very very hard to continue with you know programs like the STDP, the EOADP, uh, in the academic forum, more of the the fast and the, and the stratos. Um, we're dialing up those programs. We've had working teams, working groups with many of you in terms of how we can improve the delivery of those things and make them more efficient 
as well so that we get the biggest bang for the buck. Um, we've strengthened um, you know, what I call our, our business development capability. So you know, we've always had conversations with, uh, with leaders in, uh, in other countries, um, but they were more governmental type conversations. Um, we've kind of switched that around now. So when I meet with some of my colleagues uh, from other space agencies or when I meet with, uh, with industry in other countries, um, we now have turned those conversations into a business development opportunity. So I get to meet, you know, some very important people in companies like SpaceX and Lockheed and whatever. Um, and a conversation goes a lot like, well, how many Canadian companies do you have in your supply chain? And how can we have more? What are you interested in doing and how can Canadian industry, Canadian research institutes help you? So we flipped those conversations now. And I can assure you, uh, as I mentioned in the panel, we get a great reception from that. And it has led to a number of, of B2B, business-to-business uh, -business events. So when we go international now, we always do a B2B events and many of you have uh, participated in that. And we've had a few good leads coming out of those uh, events. Um, we did a, a mutual exchange of, uh, of small to medium enterprises with uh, Germany. So we took a number of, of uh, Canadian firms over to, to Bremen, and then they did the reciprocal. The Bremen folks came to, uh, came to Canada, and we had great uh, discussions with respect to that. Um, we took Sierra Nevada, that is building a dream chaser. We brought them to Ottawa, had a two-day... Um, rapid dating kind of, uh, kind of uh, 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 format where um, they presented their plans. They're very interested in, uh, in working with uh, Canadian firms and, and internationalizing their supply chain. Um, and it also has led to uh, a, number of, uh, a number of opportunities. So we now do that as a matter of course. So, you know, when I do say engage with us um, with respect to how space becomes uh, an economic or an innovation engine, um, it also informs the discussions that, that I need to be uh, uh, having with respect to these, uh, these business development opportunities. So by engaging more with us in terms of you know, where you plan on going, what are your, your business opportunities and whatnot, there's a very good chance that, at least from an international perspective, we could open some doors. That's what we do uh, in, a, in a big way now. Now that's you know, an industry and in in an academic uh, market opening or, or business development uh, kind of activity. Um, we also do a reciprocal thing uh, within the federal government, so from an intramural perspective. So many of you understand that um, we often get uh, a number of missions um, through the CSA, but, and those missions actually serve another federal government department, like agriculture or, or environment or natural resources. And um, through our discussions with them last year, um, as we were looking at the space program, uh, we discovered a number of things that, uh, that kind of puzzled us. So in those departments, uh, they have a, a very large number of, of engineering and scientific folks. 
right? So you've got to figure that and at environment, there's a lot of climatologists, there's a lot of, of climate change people, there's a lot of research taking place within natural resources. So replicate that from a science perspective, you know, across maybe a dozen or so uh, science-based departments in the federal government. So we've been talking to them, and they've been users of space, you know, uh, over, uh, over the last few years. And, and last year, what we discovered was quite surprising in that many of them said, um, well, you know, we've got this team that always plays with you at the CSA, but there's tons of us that think we may have something for space, but we don't know who to call. We don't know who to talk to. And many of us even don't understand space. So maybe space is a solution, we just don't know about it. Right? So that kind of surprised us because we thought we had a good relationship. Well, sorry, let me rephrase that. We have a good relationship, but clearly we didn't have as strong as a relationship as we probably need. So last week I announced within the, the, the CSA uh, walls uh, the establishment of a brand new team. We call it the strategic relations team. It's like a, an internal business development team. So it's headed by my, my VP, and we've put senior policy people, technical people, communications people, and big data people on this team. Um, so that now we're going to approach these departments in a business development capacity. So we are looking at now educating um, the various scientists within the government um, with respect to what space can do for them. We're also going to make sure that they now understand there's a 1-800 number that you can call, not figuratively, but, you know, sorry, figuratively, not, uh, not for real, but um, they know now who to contact. And because we're now involving um, policy and communications and, and, and other folks from a non-technical perspective, we're also looking at elevating what is currently today a, technically, uh, a technical conversation limited to, you know, an assistant deputy minister level. So those of you that understand government, unless you go to the DM level or the minister level, um, things don't get a whole lot of visibility. So we're looking through this team at bringing visibility into each one of those departments at the deputy minister and the minister level. That's why we've got policy people on this team. So why am I explaining all of this to you and why do I believe that this uh, strategic relations team is important, although it's intramural? Um, from there, I'm very optimistic that we're going to identify new mission requirements. And we're going to be working with them to secure the funding for those mission requirements, for those uh, new mission opportunities. And that means more work and more contracts out to industry and to research organizations. So, you know, we're approaching this from an, uh, uh, an opening the market perspective internationally, and we're approaching it from an intramural perspective as well. So this business development uh, pillar has taken great shape at the, uh, at the CSA. Um, and we're also, you know, it's not because we didn't get budget money that we're not looking at future opportunities as well. Um, Gilles mentioned yesterday we're, we're heavily uh, involved with NASA on the exploration side with respect to the gateway and the moon. Um, we've also held quite a number of um, scientific community conferences last fall um, at the CSA. 
on atmospheric sciences, on, um, it was, uh, uh, I think it was Earth-Sun, and then on the medical side as well, um, where we brought in, you know, 100 to 150 scientists, and we asked them, okay, what's important, and, and what are the opportunities in your area of specialty? And many of them came back uh, in a more of a, of a small-scale, informal, decadal survey kind of fashion. Um, but these communities came back to us with uh, a prioritized list of things that were important to them. Some of them came back and said, here are six missions in order of priority to our community. Some of them came back and said, well, we're not going to give you a list of missions, but these are the scientific subject areas that we'd like you, the CSA, to concentrate on. So we've gone to you and you've come back to us, and now we understand the priorities with respect to these things. And from there, we're now able to uh, make headway with respect to selecting some missions that we'd like to invest in. So in the past, the CSA, behind closed doors and maybe with a few discussions on the outside, we kind of picked what we wanted to invest in. Well, we've turned that around. Now you are telling us what the priorities are, and we are there to support that. Right? So we're now working um, on those missions in the order of priority that were, that were provided to us. So I think that's absolutely great progress, and it leads to a lot more transparency with respect to how investments are made at the, uh, at the CSA. So we're also doing work on... Um, Earth observation, so we're not content with the fact that, you know, Gennady, how many days? 175. 175 days before launch. Um, we're not content with the fact that we're launching um, three new state-of-the-art Earth observation satellites. We're actually working on the generation that will come after that, right? So design end of life for, for RCM is 2025. Um, it's 2018. It's seven years away. Um, if we have to build something and build something new, it's time we get on with it. So we're actually now working with the various departments who use Earth observation data in terms of identifying their requirements and trying to map out what the follow-on to RCM could look like in 2025. So we're very proactive, just in case we need to build something. Um, we, we're going to make sure that we're going to be in a in a good position before we reach end of life and we start you know, maybe having problems with uh, some of the satellites up there. And we spoke yesterday about sp space medicine. So it's one of the areas that NASA has invited us to take a leadership role in, in recognition of the fact that Canada has done extremely well with our, our uh, life sciences research on the ISS and they recognize the, the, the clinical research strength of, of Canada um, so they've kind of invited us to, uh, to look at making a proposal with respect to what we could contribute uh, more substantially uh, for the uh, Moon and Mars missions with respect to space medicine. So we've held conferences with, uh, with experts. We've done a national roundtable uh, activity uh, looking at uh, getting opinions from the various uh, medical experts. And um, as was mentioned yesterday, it, it resounded. And there's quite a lot of interest in, uh, in looking at what Canada can contribute in those areas. So these are all new potential activities that we're working on, and I think it's, it's quite interesting and encouraging that we're in that, uh, in that uh, position. Um, so 
all in all, hopefully you're starting to recognize that um, the CSA is, is taking on uh, more and more of a, of a leadership role and not just a program delivery role. So of course, program delivery is our bread and butter. That's what we're strong in. That's what we're recognized for. But we now need to play uh, a more of a, of a leadership role and more of an integrator role so that we can be of a better value add in supporting um, research and, and industry. So that's you know, why we exist, is to make sure that you are successful. So as I look at you know, what kind of leadership role we can play, um, clearly we're into the world of, of being an integrator. Right? As you know, we don't do stuff inside the CSA. Right? So when the CSA was formed, um, it was very clear that the mandate was um, you are not a, a research agency a la NRC type, um, and Tao shall push the development and the engineering and all of that to industry and to academia, and that's what we do. So I see us as having that integrator role, and I think that's the biggest value add that we can bring um, from, a, from a leadership perspective to the space community. And when I talk about in being an integrator, I talk about us have, uh, being a convener, right? So different sub-roles under, under integrator. So being a convener is something that we do. We bring people together, helping to solve problems, right? Also what we do, being a motivator and being an enabler, right? So key roles to play as, a, as an integrator, and you'll see us taking more and more space, um, okay, that was a pun, more and more room in, uh, in that space going forward. Um, and if you think that's kind of strange, hopefully you don't, but if you do think it's kind of strange, um, I'd like to just point out the fact that um, Australia announced the fact that it was uh, establishing its space agency. It did that last year, and they just got uh, the equivalent of uh, about $50 million of, uh, of initial funding to get them started. Um, Australia was in a situation where Canada was before the agency was formed, where a number of departments were all playing in space. And none of it was coordinated or integrated. And they kind of realized that, you know, they have a sum of the parts kind of a situation here. And they weren't leveraging the benefits of bringing everything together inside an agency and asking that agency to play a leadership role. So they were not involved, for example, in uh, capacity development programs, student programs, and stuff of that nature, right? So... Um, those are value-add uh, activities that we bring to the, to the space program. They could not engage in that because every department was focused on a particular mission and no one was actually looking at bringing it all together and leveraging the, the volume and the critical mass. So that's what we now are looking at, uh, at ensuring we do in the bestest way possible at the, uh, at the agency. So when I look at all of that... Um, despite the fact I started this keynote with a bit of a negative because I wanted to address the elephant in the room, uh, we've shaken it off. It's behind us and we've moved on, right? So, you know, from a very uh, uh, bright perspective, um, you know, I, I see the future looking very, very good for the space program. Um, what we do is absolutely critical and essential to our country, to our economy, and to Canadians out there. We've got a value proposition that resounds very strongly, and you know, I'm absolutely committed to making sure that we continue to have a 
very strong Canadian space program going forward. So I'd just like to end with, uh, with a quote um, by Jean Cernan. Jean was uh, an American astronaut, and he was the last man who actually walked on the moon. So he basically said, whatever it takes to be the best is what it will take to get you into space. So let's keep being the best out there. Thank you very much. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Cube podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash We really appreciate feedback. And to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode if you send me a comment by email i'll write back to you as soon as i can on twitter you can follow us at canada in space and if you use facebook you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page the space Q. if you like the show please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app